0: What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am your host, Brett McGrath, and I'm fired up to be bringing you this conversation. I am joined by DemandWell CEO, Mitch Cozzi, and we are talking about the common misconceptions when it comes to SEO. Mitch is someone who is deeply passionate, who's built his career and his company on SEO, helping marketers like me, figure it out, understand how it works, and optimizing our content with it. I learned a ton in this episode. I think you will too. If you like what we're doing over here, hit that subscribe button. Tell a friend. Go tell your marketing pals you're enjoying modern day marketing, would you? Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am excited to be hosting a guest from the city that I live in and love. It hasn't happened in a while. So I am joined by Mitch Causey, who's the CEO at DemandWell. We're going to be talking about SEO and some common misconceptions, but without further ado, Mitch, you just moved. So I know you're getting acclimated in your new surroundings, but uh, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm hoping my Wi-Fi holds out here. Still new to this Wi-Fi, so <laughs> we shall see.
0: That's awesome. So let let's maybe talk. I know you're someone that has you you yeah you started a company around SEO, but even before that. SEO was such a, a part of kind of your professional development and career. Maybe just to like set the stage so people kind of, if they don't already know you, get a little context for who you are and what you do. Talk a little bit about maybe before demand, well, and we can get into the creation and the why behind it, but what type of roles were you in in the past and kind of what has led you on this path to be focused on building a career around SEO?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, I'll actually go back to my college days. You know, I wasn't very satisfied with the level of digital marketing education that was occurring, uh, call it, I don't know, back in like 2008, 2009 or so. And so I just, I, I started looking online a bunch, you know, watching YouTube videos, watching, you know, various folks about just kind of digital marketing in general and this thing called SEO kept popping up and what drew me so you know what drew me in so much to it was this idea that you know SEO is tapping into a lot of keyword research and you know I often say like you know I'm I'm a nerd in a lot of ways and keyword research in particular is legitimately one of my favorite things in the world to do because it is this, you know, understanding of like humanity and consumer behavior and what's what's going on in people's minds right now. And, you know, you can see, you know, the trends and stuff is it's just amazing to see that. And so, you know, learning about that in college uh, and blowing some cash on Google AdWords at the time, you know, to see like how that actually translated into Human behavior—it just—it just caught me. I just, you know, from that point forward, I've just always loved that kind of sensation of learning about people like that. So, as I left college, I joined uh, an SEO agency and was there for a couple years and had a great time there. Uh, worked with, uh, you know, brands like FedEx and Sears and Kmart and. Just some just some really big brands that frankly I had no business working with at the time, but had you know had a great time learning with them. Then I went in-house at an ADT Home Security Services reseller that's also in our town, Indianapolis, and uh, had a great time learning there about you know how to manage a team of SEO folk. But then I had a buddy of mine call me up and asked me to join their company called Lessonly. Um, so I joined them as their third employee and first marketing hire and really built out their marketing function over time. And what's funny is I, during that time, uh, I legitimately had done so much SEO in my career. I did not want to be labeled this one trick pony that only knows SEO. And so I did everything I could to get away from SEO. But at Lee, we, you know, things were going well, but then I, I was like, well, let me just try, you know, hopping back on that wagon a little bit and I hit publish on our very first downloadable asset. And within the first week, we had 100 people actually download that asset. Uh, So I was like, okay, I guess we'll do some more SEO. Over time, that became actually our number one channel and still is, you know, from a Lessonly perspective, their number one single channel for driving revenue. But at the end of my time there, uh, so I was there for five years and had just an absolutely amazing time, uh, 100% start to finish. But I did have a dream back in my college days to start my own agency. And so uh, that's what I did. Uh, February of 19, hopped out on my own. It was just me for about 18 months or so, just coaching a lot of my friends, frankly, And then, uh, you know, decided to turn this into a real business and got some investment. And we're now a software company and growing full steam ahead. That's
0: amazing. I want to get maybe back to the example, the Lessonly example. I think anybody listening to this podcast has likely heard the name Lessonly and probably has a very good thought that comes into their head when that, that company name comes up. To say, like a lot of investment was made on the brand side, building brand, making sure that when people come across content, it teaches them something and makes them feel a certain way. So you were there in the early days where like brand building was front and center taking off, but you've kind of you've tried to get away from it, but you came back and you said, like, I need to kind of flex into some of my skills here on the SEO side. I'd love for maybe like in the lessonly example to talk about just like, SEO and like brand building and how they kind of work in parallel, because I think a lot of the times when people think of SEO, they don't necessarily frame it up as like something that we can be using to help build and develop our brands. But I'd love any kind of context from you on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I honestly think it is, I won't say it's number one way to build a brand because, uh, but sometimes, you know, I'm, an, I'm a hammer, so everything looks like a nail there's there's a million great ways to build brand but it is a great way to build brand and you know I'll, I'll share just one quick thought that came into my mind around that which is we we often hear from folks that are serving called a relatively small audience you know so we've uh, I've recently talked to someone who runs on earth satellite technology that talks to in space satellite technology and so the i mean the target market for that is pretty darn small you know <laughs> but those people are still using google and you know if you can even just show up you know when those people are using google that goes a long way for brand building and then of course you know, when they come to your site after they click that, you know, link on Google, you need to serve them a great experience. But you know, a, a big part of that is just showing up there.
0: Yeah, I love that. The uh you so you you started d- demand well and obviously because I maybe one of the reasons was like you had this you wanted to go off venture off on your own, leverage your skills, build a company around something you believed in. I would imagine something you said earlier was probably a part of that. Um, and this is the mentality of just like you loving to understand consumer expectations and behavior and Google being the spot to help you kind of get a uh, a view at that. I think in one of our previous conversations, you mentioned, you know, you view Google as the largest human experiment, which I found fascinated, fascinating, maybe just unpack that statement and and like how do you think about that just as the CEO of Demandwell
1: Yeah so absolutely hit the nail on the head in my in my opinion that's what that's what I love about SEO and organic and and so thankful to like be working in this field is that Google I, I don't know I don't have like a data set of data sets you know but I'm I'm pretty confident Google has to be the single largest data set of human engagement ever because even if you were to run, you know, a really extensive survey or really extensive observational experiment, you can't compete with Google getting six to eight billion data points every single day. And they've been, you know, doing that for, you know, I'm sure it was like in the hundreds of millions in the beginning, but, you know, they've been doing that for like two decades. So our, you know, all of every audience that we can imagine that we're trying to reach, you know, especially if you're in the States, you know, you can almost guarantee they're using Google. And so all of those people are constantly telling Google what they're interested in, what they're trying to find. And Google is sharing all of that information back to us for free using Google ads, the keyword planer. You can use, you can, you can understand any audience uh, and you can understand an unfiltered view. I think that's the other big thing is that like an observational experiments and stuff like that. People often put a filter on themselves because even in the experiment, they don't want to be viewed in a certain way you know, one way or another, but to Google, they tell Google everything. they tell Google when they're not feeling well in any you know in any capacity, whether it's mentally, physically, whatever they tell Google when they're feeling great. they tell Google you know pretty much every part of their life that they may not even tell a single other human being ever and we get to tap into that resource.
0: yes, we do I think as especially as b two b marketers and I think, part of the reason maybe SEO has gotten a little bit of a negative connotation just over the course of its history just like any other marketing tactic yeah. would be people maybe leveraging it in a way that isn't necessarily organic and it is trying to scheme or play the system i'm i'm someone who understands the value of SEO I've, hired SEO consultants wherever I've gone in my career, because it's a, it's a blind spot for me. Um, However, I know it's important, but I think there's also this element of like, I want to write and I want to communicate with my audience and share messages from on the human level, that's going to resonate with them. But I understand too, like, well, you, you need to understand SEO in order for people to come find that. So I guess like what what it from your end, like what is the balance? Cause I think some of the narrative that gets shared is that like, you know, well, if you're leveraging SEO, you're you're writing for Google and you're not necessarily writing for your audience and if you're communicating to your audience and you're not necessarily baking in the benefits of what SEO can do for you. So there's kind of this two sides of the coin on it. Yeah. I'd love for you to maybe share some perspective on kind of like maybe like what's missing from this narrative like how should we be thinking about writing for humans and also maximizing SEO efforts along the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like to think about creating content and content strategies as a puzzle and when you think about what what are those pieces to that puzzle, there's a handful. A lot of content and a lot of content strategy has one piece to the to the puzzle, and that is brainstorming. You hop into uh, olden days, you would hop into a meeting room. Today you'd hop into on um, Zoom and the meeting invite would say brainstorm content strategy for Q1, you know, and you hop in and you brainstorm and you use your own data set of your mind to come up with something great. That's one puzzle piece. But as we know, puzzles include a lot of pieces. And so uh, another puzzle piece to add is, you know, external validation, which I think Brett, for you in particular, I have been blown away with how much you have done of this, where, you know, you go out to the market and you've had what hundreds of conversations. I think I've heard you say at this point, there's, with been, a few, there's been a few, <laughs> we're having one now. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you've, you've taken, you've gone from a puzzle of just a piece of brainstorming to then going out into the market and, and validating it with your own, you know, experience with others. Uh, There's all sorts of ways to additionally validate things. You can look up reports, you can look up white papers, case studies, whatever. Each of those are puzzle pieces. And one other puzzle piece, in my opinion, is understanding your audience through the lens of what they're telling Google through the lens of the keyword planner. Um, It is a piece of the puzzle. It is not the puzzle. And I think that might be Kind of the crux of what a lot of you know, where a lot of people get stuck. It's it's a very non like binary thing. It's a you know creating content is a very complicated thing, and even you know the best AI content today, you read it and it's like there's always like a gotcha moment in the in those pieces. It's like it's a complicated thing. So that's how I think about it. Is it's it's all a puzzle, and the more pieces you have in your puzzle the richer your content strategy is going to be.
0: I love the visualization of that in my brain as I'm listening to you talk. And I want to get into maybe like some stuff on some of the customers that you're working with, things that they're doing to think about it from the puzzle perspective. But like my question to you is, It's always, it seems like in content creation, it it seems like it's always all or nothing. And it's very rare that, like, we as a community talk about things like this. Like, it doesn't need to be all or nothing, it can be many things. I'm sure on the front end of the demand, well, sales process or people coming in being like, we think we need what you do, Um, you get into these conversations and you understand and learn about. B2B buyers and how they think about SEO. I know before I got educated, I had my my perspective. Like, why do you think it's kind of this, is it just a, a limited view and a lack of understanding of like just kind of zooming out and seeing marketing as a whole and how everything works when it comes to building content? Or, or is it something else? Anything you want to touch on to expand on kind of
1: that puzzle analogy, I think would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do think, I'm not sure if this will answer the question or not, but I do think it's it, it might be helpful. I think a lot of the, you know, stigma of SEO comes from the truth that there have been a lot of crappy things done in the name of SEO. Like, I mean, they're like, especially in the like 2010 to 2012 era, when you had like your Panda and your Penguin, algorithm updates, uh, you know, those just so happened to be the the years that i was in that SEO agency right out of college. And it was a blast to like help people deal with that stuff. But you know, especially back then, I mean, there were all sorts of just crazy things going on and people hacking each other's sites. And almost every week, you know, someone on our team would have an example of like, a major university, like I remember Indiana University had this terrible hack that was done on it solely for the sake of gaining rankings and search results. It's like, oh my gosh, there has been so much just terrible human activity trying to, you know, game the system. So, you know, the stigma comes from a lot of that. But I think a lot of it, uh, an important aspect is not just why you're doing it, but how you're doing it as well. And, you know, I think the, you know, because there are ways it's, are there humans doing it or are there machines doing it? You know, there are ways that even back then, you could punch in a keyword, a bot would go out and scrape the all the content on page one, basically reformat that content, spin that content to replace everything with synonyms, and hit publish all automatically. And that content's terrible. <laughs> Does it include keywords? Yes, but all the other puzzle pieces are made of machine, whereas... The other aspect is if you are a human creating it and brainstorming, it and and even today, uh, you know, there's a lot of AI tools that help facilitate human editing. So like, uh, you know, creating content with AI and like little bits and then human editing them. That's a great process flow because it's its now you're adding multiple puzzle pieces. You're not just replacing the human puzzle piece with machines. So, yeah, I don't know if that helps or not, but...
0: It does. And I appreciate the further context. I think you're probably in a, a very fun position of getting to work with a lot of different types of customers, probably across a lot of different industries, when, when you think about the things that uh, your customers are doing, where, you know, someone who's been in the game for a while, build a business around it. And when you see customers doing certain things, you're just like home run scenario, like, all, like these uh, marketers are knocking out of the park, like maybe call out, like, what are some of those examples? Like, what are things that we can be thinking about as marketers and ways we should be considering SEO based on just some of the success stories from the customers at Demandwell.
1: Yeah. So I have a specific one for SEO, but before I share that, I'll share one of the best things you can do for SEO is anything but SEO. Uh, and that might sound <laughs> insane coming from someone who runs a SEO platform company. But the reality is sometimes we'll talk to folks, you know, especially those like real early stage folks. And they'll come and say, okay, like Demandwell is going to be our marketing strategy for the year. And that, it would be the worst thing you could possibly do because so much of organic search is off site, not on site. There's so much out there. You know, if you're if you're not doing PR as a company and taking that seriously, then you should do that and you should leverage that for organic search, you know. If you're not using um, review sites like G2, Capterra, all those. If you're not using those, you should be. You should be in all of them. We, you know, we've got like a list of like 150 of those. You should be in all of them, right? And there's so there's so many things that are that have nothing to do with SEO, but have a really significant impact on SEO. So creating like a multi-channel marketing strategy, absolutely the right way to go. Talking about SEO though, a big thing that we see is content production quantity and overall there's there's always the debate of quantity versus quality. I actually think they're two completely separate debates because I think as a company you should have a quality level that you are comfortable with, that you are proud of and that you want to, you know, institute as the quality level of your content. But that is totally separate from how much of that content do you produce? And what we see is Not because there's a magic number of content to create, but by and large, and we talk to a lot of folks that are that are wanting to improve their content, vast majority of those folks are producing one piece of content each week total. And so the way we think about that is: well, if every single person you know that you're competing with is producing one piece of content, you need to produce at least two pieces of content each week, you know? (laughs) So it's really, it's really not that there's this magical quantity. Like we typically recommend producing five pieces a week because, uh, that's just kind of, you know, it's kind of easy to keep in your head, you know, one, one per day of the week. But that could be really high for some, that could be really low for some. It's all about how much is your competition creating and what, you know, what level of depth and breadth are you creating on your site? And how are you interlinking those as well to create essentially a Wikipedia? That's, that's kind of what we're all, we're all doing in one way or another is, is creating our own kind of sub Wikipedia. And if you've got someone who's cranking out a ton in your space, you know, that is that is one key thing to think about is you probably need to be beating them uh, at the quantity part.
0: So I love how you brought up quantity versus quality. It's something we've talked about just on yeah. this podcast and other content related items that we're producing. And I, I yeah. love the further context there. And it's the the modern day marketer wants to say quality, right? We want to create yeah. quality content because we want it to resonate with our audience and I think rewinding the tape, people are think about being in the content marketing role, and it's potentially well. I used to have to just produce a new piece of content uh, every day that was had a bunch of keywords in it, and it was I felt like I worked in a content factory. Which I think those are maybe like the two like extremes, and somewhere in the middle, there's like a, yeah. an approach where it's like, okay, we monitor what our competition is doing. We can, we have the resources to do what they're doing, but better when we believe it's higher quality and we have the bandwidth to produce more of it on a regular basis. So that doesn't exactly. necessarily, so that, that's kind of what you're getting at, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think there's this huge misconception that companies very small to very large should have one person creating content for the whole company why is that the case? You know, if it, if you, if you don't want to sacrifice quality, hire five more people and now you've got the same level of quality, but you've got more quantity going out the door, you know? And I I do think that is something that, you know, to, to any C level or VP that's listening into this, uh, is that is the biggest mistake that I see is that you put so much pressure on content marketing to produce revenue for your company and be, Because it has such a low uh, customer acquisition cost, you think you should spend less money on it. I actually think because it has a low CAC, you should be spending way more on that than you are on ads. We we see this all the time. I mean, spend on organic versus ads. We should do a study on this because this is just an anecdote. But you know, literally, it can be you know a ten to one ratio where people are spending ten times on ads what they are on organic and organic compounds over time ads goes away as soon as you stop paying that. So it's, it's um, yeah, I think that's a common misconception is that, Oh, well we can, we can, we can have really high goals and expect one marketer to do all of those things. And by the way, they're probably the same person that's creating like case studies and, you know, sales enablement materials and all that stuff.
0: So I think a lot about what you just said and the fact that, and I want to bring up another misconception and get your color commentary on it, because I think there's probably something there. But I think a lot about this from the standpoint of it's easy. And I'm not saying paid is easy, but it is, it is, it is easier to go pay for a paid social campaign, keep it running and keep it running than it is to go out, convince your manager that we need more content. People go in, recruit those people, write people, bring them in. I just think about that a lot about what if companies in B2B did 50% less, did maybe even just 25% less paid and invested those resources in more content people that were producing high quality content. Like what would, what would happen? Like what would, what would be true? You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So that's something I think about a lot. The other thing I want, which I think is probably, there's probably a misconception and that you have come across just in your time. But I think when people think maybe, maybe inside of marketing, maybe outside of marketing, uh, upper management, maybe even the board, when people talk about investing in SEO and investing in anything marketing related, it's always like the, okay, well, all right, well, in the next 30 days, let's see where the results are at. And when we look at the results in the next 30 days, if they're not doing what we want, which is generating us leads right now, then we're probably going to have to cut that off. Where yeah. most things in marketing, SEO included, it's the long game approach. So maybe talk about just like that misconception with SEO, like how maybe it's not necessarily like going to give you that immediate instant gratification that you can take to your bosses, but it might be something to that you have to manage up over a longer period of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if anyone watching or listening to this does ever figure out a way to show uh, SEO success within a matter of days, um, please let me know. It'd be great. No, it's, it's a reality of, you know, part of the human nature of impatience. Right. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is the board is probably not going to give you a pat on the back until like three to five years in, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's just that level of thing where, you know, at least that's what happened to me at lessonly, you know, it wasn't until like between years three and five, where we could say, you know, you know, at, at, it was growing at a level that they cared about. I'll, I'll say, you know, back at back in listening days, I wish we would have moved faster. I wish we would have increased our quantity sooner. But yeah, overall, it, it, it is just kind of a reality of the situation. That being said, the way that we do think about it is that showing progress is results. So we take it, you know, one step at a time with every single keyword. We have a, a lifecycle stage framework for our keywords. And essentially life cycle stage one is that you're not ranking at all. And life cycle stage five is that you're ranking really well and you've got a high click-through rate and all that stuff. Going from not ranked for a keyword to ranked for a keyword is a huge deal. And in my opinion is worth celebrating. We do also say, you know, just to show like my heart is uh, that we are not SEO well or rank well or keyword well, we are demand well, we're all about like driving revenue but it is a process. Uh, you know, sometimes we call them dominoes. Of you know, you have to be ranking for a word before you can rank well for that word. Before you can start getting clicks on that word. Before you can start getting leads. Before you can start making money. I think that I think that does go for you know all marketing channels as well. Even even deal cycle I think gets lost in that equation. You know, if you have a sixty day deal cycle, but you're evaluating a program within thirty days. No matter what program that is, it's going to fail. And you're going to be making a lot of silly decisions based on, you know, even just looking at the wrong window of time solely because of deal cycle length as well. So, yeah, I don't know if that helps, but. Those are some thoughts. Those are good
0: thoughts, and uh, that's a rewind the tape, grab the clip, and that's that'll be what's promoted <laughs> because I you just touched on a lot of things that I think are really important, just in in marketing and just uh, progress and hitting goals. Is that it? It takes time, and it's a process, and there are milestones along the way. And I love you. You calling out you, sometimes you just got to celebrate them. It might not be like a new sixty k contract that your sales team close but you need these to put these milestones in place in order to get that and then totally in order to make it repeatable
1: you know totally absolutely
0: maybe we close it out with this i'd love to get your um, perspective on like what's happening with seo right now on the b2b side like anything that's emerging things that you're thinking about it demand well things your customers are talking about like if someone leaves this conversation and wants to be focused in on something SEO related, like what is that going to be?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a lot going on in SEO these days. It's kind of viewed as an old industry. You know, it's been around for a couple decades or so. I mean, more than that. But you know, since Google's been on the block, you know, a couple decades. You know, it's it's viewed in that way. But I don't know what's in the water. But I'm glad there's something in it. Uh, These last couple of years, we have seen so much activity in the market, even just from like a high level business perspective, right? Moz got acquired. Simrush got, uh, went public. Uh, and then just recently, Backlinko got acquired as well. All sorts of things are happening in the space in terms of, you know, these companies that have been around forever. And there's just a lot, there's there's a lot of activity going on. When we were switching into like software mode, we did some research uh, around um, through Forrester, and they shared that in 2019, they had more SEO inquiries than any other year prior to that. Uh, and I think that was just such a, such a good representation of then. And I think it's only scaled up since then, you know, a a big part of that I think is, you know, back to that, like Panda and penguin era for those who, I mean, a lot of people listening to this won't even know what I'm talking about when I say that. And, and that is kind of the point of, that was such a traumatic time for so many marketers that marketers just washed their hands of SEO and said, I don't want to deal with that again. We've now gone through, that's now what, 10 years ago. that that stuff happens. So we're we're now through like two full, like collegiate cycles, even. So all these people that knew what was going on in SEO are now VPs, directors, executives, and they have deprioritized SEO. And then all those people coming behind them who should have been learning about SEO weren't because they were hearing all these horror stories. And so there's this huge knowledge gap in the market of what actually works and how to do it with humanity in mind and not just machines. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm excited that we're in the space and we get to help people grow in that way. So that's just a a bit of where we've been, but where the space is going in my opinion is only going to increase on human experience. You know, you look at uh, pretty much any meaningful change that Google has made in the last I would say between five and six years is all based on human experience. You know, even just something as simple as page speed and you know core web vitals and all that, that's all about experience. That really has nothing to do with the educational level, the entertainment level, any kind of level of you know, content or or what people are producing. It's about, okay, if you have all this great content. Is someone going to be able to actually access it quickly? And, you know, I'm really excited about that because I think we're going into an era that is going to be a realization of Google's mission. So Google has there's there's a bunch of different quotes people uh, that Google has shared around, you know, what their mission is with regard to search search. But you know, to to recap all of those, it's essentially to get every user the best information that they can in the fastest time possible. And so we're now in a state of technology, I think that that we're able to uh, actually reach that in a lot of ways. And so you know, if you're thinking, how do I like future-proof my SEO? How do I? What do I do next? Um, I think just keeping that in mind of getting every user, the best information that they can in the fastest way possible from an experience level. Uh, If you focus on that and and what you're driving towards and and using that as your guiding light, you're probably going to do pretty well.
0: A lot of good knowledge dropped. The one thing that I was not expecting out of this conversation, Mitch, is to feel old from SEO <laughs> conversation. <laughs> when you said a couple cycles of uh, college, I was like, oh boy, like I've been in this
1: for way too long at this point. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well, th- hey, thank you so much for for coming on and talking about uh, SEO. I think this is an important topic, and there's definitely a thirst for more information. I'll put uh, links to demand wall related stuff and where people can find you in the show notes. But is there any anywhere else? It's a marketing podcast, so plug something, I guess.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. I'll share. We are about to. So we have uh, something called a share of search report, which is essentially allows uh, you to understand you know, what, uh, how much of your total addressable search market are you missing and helps you identify some of those top keywords that you might be interested in. So if you're interested in learning about your audience and the humanity thereof and what they are typing into Google, we would love to help, you know, bring that to light. And that is, uh, that's entirely free.
0: Awesome. That is great, great uh, resource. Um, Thank you, Mitch. Everyone go check out DemandWell. If you have SEO questions, we'll have to get you back on because I'm sure there'll be some SEO related topics that are burning in my brain
1: very, very soon. (laughs) Sounds perfect. Thanks, Brett.
0: I love meeting people that are so deeply passionate about an area of discipline in marketing that they not only go deep on it and educate others, but also start a business around it. A lot can be learned from what Mitch is doing at Demandwell. Go check them out if you need some SEO help. They know what they're talking about over there. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we will be back next week with more Modern Day Marketer.